Hi, I'm Jayant Sriram and welcome to In Focus, the Hindu's analysis podcast. Thanks for joining us. Today's episode of In Focus will be a preview to the Bihar election results that are expected tomorrow. That's November 10th. Exit polls released on Saturday evening by major television networks after the final phase of voting have predicted that the ruling JDU BJP alliance is going to be on its way out. With one forecast even predicting that the RJD led opposition alliance could get a two thirds majority. Others seem to indicate it would cross the halfway mark fairly comfortably. We must add the caveat here, of course, that exit polls can be wrong. But we'll start today's conversation by reflecting on the difference between pre-poll and post-poll predictions in this election and how that seems to have changed over the course of the campaign. That will give us a window to talk about the campaigns, the strengths and weaknesses of each run by each side and where things stand as we head into tomorrow. I'm joined today by Rahul Varma. He is a political scientist and a fellow at the Centre for Policy Research in New Delhi. Rahul Varma, thank you so much for joining us on the In Focus podcast today. Thank you, Jayant, for having me. Right. So uh, I want to start by uh, talking about the polls first. Um, you know, there's a lot of exit poll data that's just come out ahead of the election results tomorrow. Hmm. Now, there is a similarity in the 2015 elections and now, you know, where the pre-poll surveys seem to show a comfortable lead for the NDA alliance. That was the case in 2015 also. Mm-hmm. And uh, what happened is that the post-poll surveys show that um, that a very significant turnaround had taken place uh, through the course of the campaign. Mm-hmm. Now, this seems to be playing out again in 2020. Though, you know, of course, we know that the composition of each of the alliances are different this time. Mm-hmm. So what lessons can we draw from this, you know, in terms of the importance of the campaign itself mm-hmm. um, and the fact that there are uh, perhaps more undecided voters than we perhaps realize in these mm-hmm. elections. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, Jen, this is a great question. Uh, first, let me say that pre-polls are not well equipped to predict uh, election outcomes. Uh, in the popular domain, uh, basically what happens that we only get to hear a lot about the seat production, uh, seat prediction or vote share estimates. But the way I think about pre-polls is that what is the state of play before the campaign has started? Uh, and, and in a way, I think about the uncertainties associated with the election outcome. So you are absolutely right. Something very similar happened in 2015. And later on, we realized that there were a lot of undecided voters who were sort of favoring NDA or BJP at that time in 2015 and a complete turnaround took place during the campaign and the RJD, JDU, Mahagathbandhan then won the election. Uh, The second point is related to this. So pre-polls are important. I'm not dismissing that they they shouldn't be done. They're important to understand uh, the electoral contest before the campaign begins. What are the issues voters are caring about? What are the popularity ratings of the leaders? And from there on, uh, pre-polls also always have a caveat associated with them uh, that the results would only hold if 
the trend continues and we know uh, the trend is not going to continue most often because the that's just the beginning of, of of the long campaign you know parties spend lot of money and lot of manpower and lot of energy in 3 to 4 weeks of 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 the campaign right their their job is to basically during the campaign turn the undecided voters towards themselves and also to enthuse their own supporters to come out and vote for them and get other people also in their vicinity to vote for them so yes undecided voters are important but that's not the only thing uh, that campaign aims to do uh, highlight certain issues that they think are more important downplay uh, uh, other issues uh, attack on the leader so all of this are part of the campaigns and and one more thing which i think we all should think about so uh, if you remember in 2020 when loknithi csds uh, did their pre poll in the second week of october they said one in four voters are still undecided uh, if you think deeply about this pro- idea uh, so one four one in every four is is very very undecided but there are others also whose degree of undecidedness is is sort of in question right there are very few core supporters then there are a lot of people who have made up their mind and then others who haven't so campaigns are basically trying to target all three in different degrees and of right. course then then you know like during yeah. the campaign uh, some alliances form up some alliances break down uh local candidate equations also matter so all of this basically goes under a tremendous change during the 3 to 4 weeks of election and that's why rarely pre poll estimates match the exit poll estimates and the final outcome right um and i just wanted to ask is this something that's fairly unique to um in 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 your mind to to indian elections because there are in the us election that we had just witnessed over the last week hmm. for instance it it did seem to indicate uh, you know that most people had kind of made up their minds and there was a, there were there are very few undecided voters is um so is is that kind of dynamic different uh, over here no i don't think uh, uh, this is anything unique to indian election see everywhere mm-hmm. and all elections do have uh, undecided voters now the the numbers may be very very different so if you think about bihar given the context of 2020 election i think the number of unique voter uh, undecided voters is a little higher if you think about bihar election 2010 because in that election i think it was pretty much clear uh that the incumbent uh, government had done well leaders were clear alliances were formed so if you compare 10, 2010 and 2020 2020 is likely to have more undecided voters so even in india you will see a variation in number of undecided voters by the context of election right okay that's really interestingly put um so let, let's just come to the campaign itself um so one the, the real kind of standout surprise of this campaign has been uh, tejasvi yadav of the rjd mm-hmm. who's kind of surprised many political analysts yes by running this very uh, vibrant and energetic campaign so uh, we carried a report in the hindu last week that um, uh, over the course of some 20 days he ran about 247 rallies uh, you know many road shows and mm. uh, there were there were huge crowd sizes in these rallies i mean crowd size 
you know may not be uh, an adequate measure of anything mm-hmm. but you know it's a very energetic campaign yeah, yeah. so uh, what really stood out to you about the messaging that he's brought to this campaign and is it different from you know other iterations of campaigns that the rjd has run so you are absolutely right and 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 i've been reading the reports uh, in the hindu i if i remember the name of the reporter correctly shobhna nayar who has yes. been uh, writing and and then nistula wrote nistula have wrote couple of pieces on bihar election and That's one right. thing about this election was very very clear that suddenly tejasvi yadav comes on the center stage of bihar politics and takes everything by storm uh many of us including me uh, uh i think in late september early october everyone was sort of like questioning uh, tejasvi yadav's credential that uh, uh this man is not yet ready for long and hard battle of bihar uh, everyone was accusing him that he was absent for most of the time last year even when crucial uh events and incidents took place in the state in fact like if you remember when the alliances were announced by this alliance uh in 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 early october uh one leader walked out of the alliance from that announcement meeting right and and everyone was sort of like uh he doesn't know how to handle uh, allies and he's going to have a hard time uh but as hap- as it happens in life right like we all know uh and we have been with uh, our like uh, classmates uh, in school and colleges that there are some students who basically slog uh, in the last month of the exam and they top or you have seen batsmen who basically come at, at the last minute of the game and just change the game so what tejasvi yadav did in last 25 to 30 days he campaigned hard uh, he uh, as you rightly said he attended uh, uh, approximately 15 to 18 rallies a day uh, then he was very very focused in his rallies so he'll go out there and say i'm not here as a leader to talk like a long uh, 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 uh speech i'm not going to give you a long winded speech he used to speak for 15 20 minutes uh, focus on the message uh, uh basically about unemployment about misrule and misgovernance uh, during nitish kumar uh, the economic distress during the pandemic so for like he's only spoke for those 10 to 15 minutes avoided all kinds of uh, sort of like uh, going into detail which may have sort of like caused troubles very mm. very focused on the message and he like i have heard many of his interviews he was very smart and clever in answering uh, many of the questions that were asked to him especially about uh, his father's legacy why his father was missing on the uh, uh, campaign poster why his sister and other were not uh, other brother was not on the campaign trail so very very uh, sort of like focused campaign and and as you rightly said this was different from other rjd campaigns i think there was a realization within uh, the rjd leadership that the only way to sort of like go forward is to have a very focused message targeting nitish kumar so he kept on saying uh, nitish ji aap thak gaye hain you are tired you should take rest uh, didn't attack modi at all didn't try to get engaged in national issues kept the focus on employment unemployment and economic distress yeah and does it also differ in the fact that he uh, you know the rjd rjd typically focuses on you know social upliftment was this um, was his uh, was his message somewhat different in that way in that it focused purely on uh, this unemployment and economics 
No, I think uh, so. So it's it's a part of like see in politics you have to continuously reinvent yourself. So Tejasvi, I think in this election knew that the social justice message of of Lalu Prasad Yadav had sort of like achieved what it had to achieve, at least from an electoral political calculus. I'm not saying that it has empowered everyone in Bihar society, but uh, it certainly did uh, uh, do that for a lot of people. But there is a lifetime of every political message. So social justice, the era of social justice message is sort of like now done. He said that in an interview and it's time to sort of craft a new narrative. So he said, uh, my narrative is going to be on the economic justice. He's not saying that uh, I don't follow the social justice uh, uh, language, but he's saying we need now a new language. And he also know electorally that, you know, uh, his father's legacy brings him a very solid vote base uh, in, in Bihar of 25 to 30% of Yadavs and Muslims and some other groups. Now what he needed is to craft a new narrative which could bring him the extra vote and bring him in the play of this electoral contest. Right. And, um, you know, by, by contrast, uh, the BJP seems to be suffering because of its um, rather confused campaign strategy where they tried to prop up Chirag Paswan against Nitish Kumar um, first, or at least it seemed like it, and then trying to course correct later. So um, where does that leave the core message of their campaign, given that um, what most of their voters want seems to be, you know, the NDA uh, in power, but not with Nitish Kumar as chief minister? See, I, I completely agree with you. Uh, there is, uh, there was a confusion uh, among uh, NDA allies and the confusion played out till the end. It's not that uh, the Chirag Paswan confusion, which was created in the beginning. Uh, I, I think they tried to do course correction, but by the time they got uh, to course correction, that was too late. Uh, and even in the third phase of campaigning, uh, we saw uh, certain messages being uh, sort of like relayed from the dais, which was confusing. There were BJP rallies where JDU MP or MLAs were missing and there were uh, JDU rallies where BJP MPs or MLAs were missing. So I think on the ground this time, the chemistry uh, between the two parties was not great. Second, uh, I think, and, and this happens just to be sort of like, you know, uh, 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 there was a very serious anti-incumbency and fatigue uh, which Nitish Kumar was facing. But to be fair to him, after 15 years of being in power, it becomes hard for any politician to sort of like, you know, go for uh, a very, very focused uh, message and campaign and bring new or positive platforms. Because as soon as you say, we are going to do this, uh, people would ask you, oh, you were in power for 15 years. Why didn't you do it then? Right. So right. it also becomes sort of like uh, uh, difficult. So the incumbents after 15 years of uh, being in power generally has a very hard time uh, bringing uh, a positive sort of like campaign. And that's why you see there are very few instances of chief minister winning the fourth consecutive term. I can just like there are three or four instances, right? Uh, everyone, right. uh, most of them, uh, after 15 years, be it Sheila Dixit in Delhi, after doing lots of good work in her first or two, uh, first two terms, Shivraj Chauhan, Raman Singh, most of them lost out, uh, even Tarun uh, Gogoi uh, 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 in Assam. So it's hard uh, to uh, uh, get a new narrative. 
to sort of enthuse voters. So what were they basically doing is uh, is like completely getting on the negative platform. See, political campaigns are always a mix of positive and negative. I'm, I'm not uh, sort of like proponent of this argument which says, oh, if you're going to have positive message, you are going to win the election. Or if you have uh, a negative election, you are always going to lose. Uh, look at the, right. these campaigns. There was a positive message about employment, but there was a uh, sort of like negative attack on Nitish saying, right? so, so that happens. Like, uh, but I think BJP and JDU's uh, campaign message was too focused on the negative side. They were long winded. There was no clear punchline this time. You need a like a big punchline which resonates uh, with voters. So those were the things which were missing in the BJP campaign, uh, and uh, that's why they are going to have a hard time tomorrow. When there is right. So, um, so we all know that uh, Bihar elections are famous for being dominated by caste equations. Um, I just wanted to ask, is, do you think that's overstated in this election or is it still a big factor? And uh, most importantly, is there a simple way to explain what's at play in these caste equations for some of our listeners who you know, are aware of it but may not be aware of the intricate detail? So uh, of I will go on a long rant on this question. So please stop me if you uh, feel like. Uh, sure, sure. Uh, the reason is this, uh, because I think caste is important in Indian politics, was important and will continue to remain important. Right. Uh, it's, and I think it's also overstated. The reason why I say it's overstated, because there is a crude electoral sociology which takes place uh, and we all are responsible for it. Political analysts and scholars like me, journalists, TV commentators, politicians, everybody talks about politics in terms of, of, of caste. And it seems this is the over-determining factor. See, across the world, the social uh, uh, setting or social foundations of the society is always reflected in politics. So think of recently concluded US elections. Why? Americans are more likely to vote for Republicans. African-Americans are more likely to vote for Democrats. Uh, Hispanics are more likely to vote for Democrats. Uh, 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 Indian-Americans are more likely to vote for Democrats, right? So in every country of uh, every country, you will see uh, a sort of like social group and its alignment with a political party. Political parties are rooted in social uh, uh, fragmentation. So India is not unique to it, right? Our social foundation is caste and religion, so that gets reflected. In American society, the social foundation is race, and that gets reflected in politics. So there is nothing unique uh, uh, happening in India on this line. See, and, and the second point related to this caste argument is that if caste is the most or, or the over-determining factor in election, then caste configurations of, of, of a state or a constituency does not go under change, right? The proportions are always going to remain same. The job of the politician who wants to win the election is to basically always manage and transcend those caste equations. So what is Tejasvi doing? He knows he has uh, a group of Yadav and Muslim voters supporting him, but that is not enough to win election. Now he needs to bring a narrative which is going to pull others towards him, right? And so he's not 
pulling everyone on 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 the on the on the caste uh, 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 argument. He's saying there's unemployment. There is uh, we need economic justice. So he's trying to create a plus caste coalition, and that's what politicians always keep doing everywhere, right? Uh, uh, and and the caste party relationship is not that I am born into some caste and that's why I vote for a particular party. Uh, the political parties use these social divisions and then they mobilize these voters on some policy platform. So so Tejasvi Yadav or Lalu Yadav's mobilization of lower caste was on the policy of social justice or Dalits vote for Bahujan Samaj Party BSP because they think that this party takes care of our issues. Upper caste are more likely to vote for the BJP because they think this party speaks their language. So it's not a, just a pure axiomatic caste party relationship. It's a caste intervening factor is policy and then pa pa uh, party relationship. This, the other point I would like to make here is whenever in elections in India and in across the world, when a party wins, they win across caste. And when a party loses, they lose across uh, 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 caste. So in that way, caste functions as a secular sort of like uh, uh, voting behavior. What you will see if Tejasvi Yadav wins, of course, his proportion of votes would sort of like remain very solid among Yadav and Muslims, but he will wean away a section of upper caste. He will wean away a section of Dalits. He will wean away a section of EBCs. Right. So then it's not a uh, pure caste uh, 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 politics as we popularly think about. Right. OK, that's that's really interesting. Um, and just one question, one more question about the electorate um, this time. And this is something I've, I've noticed that you've written about also. Hmm. Um, this is the, the, the migrant worker. Hmm. Um, you know, um, Thousands of them, perhaps more, have uh, sort of re returned uh, to Bihar. Hmm. Um, you know, and face a lot of hardship during the lockdown. Hmm. Um, will this be perhaps the first time that they are going to be, uh, you know, we can sort of quantify them as a significant force um, in this election in terms of what um, they think about what has ensued during the lockdown and the pandemic? Hmm. Hmm. So I think uh, uh, quantifying how migrants sort of like op operate in electoral arena at this stage is really hard because the government of India simply doesn't release enough data on migrants. So we really don't know uh, how many of them uh, uh, were in other parts of the country from Bihar, how many of them returned. Like there is simply no good uh, below district level data available to do this kind of analysis. But you are certainly right. At least the optics suggest that there was a deep sense of betrayal uh, against Nitish Kumar among the migrants. They thought that he didn't do enough for them uh, um, in, in, uh, uh, in, during the lockdown. Uh, they were sort of stranded, the like, government didn't do anything, then didn't do enough to sort of like facilitate uh, uh, the easing of, of the hardship. Uh, and so there are uh, a significant number of constituencies where migrants have five to seven percent of like just the migrants are five to seven to ten percent in the population, but also think of this right: like migrants are the earning member of the family. In that sense, right. we also influence others within the family how they should uh, behave uh, electorally and politically. Uh, so, in my family, if I'm a migrant and there are four other voters, 
if I felt let down by the government and I'm going to vote against them and I could manage to influence my family, uh, this is a big chunk of voters, right? So migrants may be just five or seven percent, but they, if they're influencing their family members, relatives, neighbors, that's a, a, a big number in that sense. Right. And um, so, you know, as we're closing this conversation, Rahul, do you, I, do you see a larger significance to this election? Um, given that it seems to signal a turnover from the characters who've dominated Bihar politics for over two decades now, from Nitish Kumar, this is very likely his last election. Um, Ram Vilas Paswan has, of course, unfortunately yeah. passed away. Um, Tejasvi Yadav seems to be taking over the mantle of uh, his father. Mm. Um, does that is that significant in terms of setting patterns, you know, going forward? For sure. So I think 2020 brings a closure uh, to, in fact, not just two, I think three or more than three decades of uh, 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 social justice mandal politics, right? Most of these politicians uh, uh, whom you are naming, Ram Vilas Paswan, uh, Nitish Kumar, Lalu Yadav, Sharad Yadav, all became very important uh, post-emergency and have been in some ways in power since 1989-1990. Uh, so you had first 15 years of Lalu Prasad Yadav, then the next 15 years of Nitish Kumar. So it brings a closer to uh, that era of politician. And now, as you rightly said, it's a turnover. Uh, you're seeing new face in Tejasvi, who has now seems to have emerged from the shadows of Lalu Prasad Yadav. Chirag Paswan is leading another front. Uh, you may see uh, someone uh, emerging from BJP, a much younger leader than whom we have seen at the helm of affairs, be it Sushil Modi or Biriraj Kishore and others. Uh, and similarly, what we are also might like, and, and that depends upon what the results are going to be tomorrow, what would happen to JDU post uh, Nitish Kumar? Uh, if Nitish loses, he's certainly going to go into oblivion, though I'm not writing him off. Uh, uh, you should never write off politicians uh, uh, just when they lose power. But most likely, uh, he's not coming back. Uh, he's now 70. Uh, so uh, what would happen to JDU? So what I'm basically saying, this is an end of era, beginning of a new. What would the new era look like will depend upon how the new chief minister and the new party governs in the first 18 to 24 months, because that would set the narrative of politics going forward. What uh, Lalu Yadav did him uh, is in first term as the chief minister, basically uh, on the plank of social justice, became uh, the governing line. Or uh, what Nitish Kumar did as a Sushashan Babu, you know, like increasing presence of women in panchayas, giving bicycles to girls, bringing the rule of law back. So that set the narrative, right? So what the new chief minister or new regime does in uh, uh, next uh, two years will determine uh, the flow of politics in Bihar. And one more important message uh, uh, and, uh, from Bihar is basically what would be going to the language of oppositional politics uh, going forward from here, right? Will it be basically, as now we have seen a template uh, developing, which is basically uh, focus on local leadership, raise economic issues, don't get embroiled in the national issues, don't attack uh, Modi unnecessarily uh, uh, and get uh, uh, some sort of alliance sorted out. That seems to be the template developing. And now uh, we have seen its success in Jharkhand, Bihar. Uh, so let's see how it goes uh, into the next set of elections happening next. 
Right. And and finally, Rahul, um, if uh, if there is a if there is a loss for the NDA, um, the BJP alliance, um, do we necessarily read a lot into that going forward? Uh, because there are important elections coming up, most notably for the BJP, of course, uh, in Bengal. So, Jayant, it doesn't matter how you and I, I are going to read. Right. Uh, <laughs> the mainstream media narrative is going to be basically if NDA loses, uh, it's the beginning of the fall of right. Modi and all those things. That's the that's the message uh, which is going to play out. Uh, so we can't do anything about it. I think very differently about these things, uh, uh, though, though these narratives matter, because at the end of the day, as a politician, you have to control uh, the narrative and agenda setting. But each election is, is very, very different. So uh, whether so NDA loses tomorrow, it doesn't mean they will uh, uh, lose West Bengal or Assam. Even if NDA would have won yes tomorrow, it wouldn't mean that they would win Tamil Nadu or Kerala, right? So, so, so the four states which are important and the way I put it is the reason there is sort of like electoral history uh, uh, which constrains or, or or creates opportunities for political party. So in 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 in, uh, in Tamil Nadu, BJP is a weak party. Now they may win election for sure, but it's really less likely. So uh, a Bihar would not have made an effect on how BJP does in, in Tamil Nadu. It certainly sets the narrative. It certainly enthuses or sort of demoralizes your cadre. But these elections are six months away. As we have seen, everyone in August and September was thinking Bihar is a no contest, no brainer. Uh, everyone has sort of like written off Tejasvi. They were not having confidence in him. They thought uh, NDA has a formidable social alliance and the election turned in less than 30 days. So something very similar can happen in any of the states going uh, for elections next year. Like elections would begin when the election commission announces the election. Uh, some parties will have an advantage, but that doesn't mean that advantage will carry uh, 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 them till the uh, counting day. The campaigns are hard and long and parties try to change the outcome during the campaign. Right. Rahul, we'll wrap it up there. And thank you so much. I think we've covered a lot of ground in this conversation. And uh, thank you so much for making time for us today. Thank you, Jant. Uh, it was lovely talking to you. Uh, thank you so much. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by The Hindu. We'll see you soon.